Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Off of turn number four, they come looking to the starter stand. White flag, one left to go for Corey Heim here at Bristol. Christian Eckes is going to have one final shot at Corey Heim if he can just get to the back bumper. Here they come, out of turn number two, into turn three for the final time. Christian Eckes driving in deep. Eckes looks to the high side, through three and off before he's not going to get there. Checkered flag in the air. The UNOH 200 at Bristol goes to Corey Heim. He punches his ticket to the Phoenix Championship race and will race for a championship in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. I can't wait. Uh, at first I was dreading Talladega, but now I'm excited. So uh, it's awesome, man. It's it's so sick. I've, I've dreamed to be in a situation like this. Dreamed to win a playoff race. Dreamed to win a Bristol. I'm so excited. Uh, this is unreal. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as the round of 12 for the NASCAR Cup Series begins this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. This, of course, after the doings over the weekend in Bristol, we've got lots to chat about. Tyler Reddick of 2311 Racing is going to join the show. We'll also preview the start of the round of 12 at Texas. We'll talk some NASCAR Xfinity Series Racing with John Hunter Nemechek. He'll be by. We'll also talk NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Racing with your Bristol winner, Corey Heim. We'll also dive into the football fandom of several NASCAR drivers and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle, what do you have for us this week? Mike, dominoes continue to fall when it comes to NASCAR's silly season. Over the weekend, Trackhouse Racing was the latest to provide an update. The organization announced a multi-year driving agreement with 2022 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith as they aim to operate three full-time NASCAR Cup Series entries in 2025. Smith is eager to begin his new opportunity with the team. I said it over and over again to the people that were around me of, man, it that's a group I really want to be with, and I don't know how, how we're going to make it happen, but I want to be there. I, I see the leadership Justin has, and I see the, the sponsors and the people. Uh, it's such a people sport, and I believe those are some of the best people at that race team, and, and I, I just wanted to be a part of it. Next season, the 24-year-old will race full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, driving for Spire Motorsports in an alliance with Trackhouse. 
a familiar face will be back in the NASCAR Cup Series for next season. Colleague Racing is promoting Daniel Hemrick as he'll pilot the number 31 next year. Hemrick, the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, is currently finishing his second full-time Xfinity stint with the organization. Hemrick previously competed in NASCAR's Premier Series in 2019 with Richard Childress Racing, earning Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors. And Sherry Pollux, who was a longtime fixture in the NASCAR garage as she championed childhood cancer research and treatment, has passed away at the age of 44 after a long battle with cancer. The Motor Racing Network sends its condolences to the Pollux family. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Tyler Reddick will stop by and later we'll preview the opening weekend of the playoff round of 12 for the NASCAR Cup Series. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Tyler Reddick and the number 45 team at 2311 Racing continue their quest for a championship this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Tyler secured his way into the playoff round of 12 with a win at Kansas two weeks ago. Just one year ago, Reddick won this exact race at Texas, but this year he'll take part in it as a playoff driver. Could history possibly repeat itself? Tyler discussed the upcoming round and its challenges with our Dave Moody. Well, Tyler, I know you never go to the racetrack looking for a 15th place finish, but some days, some nights, 15th is just about enough, isn't it? Yeah, you know, um, I think for us, we tried to approach it like, I mean, we, you know, we're locked in around a 12, right? And so I figured um, take advantage of the situation and look ahead and, and think about, you know, I feel like round of 12, you know, things could go wrong, right? But I feel like we have enough speed to, to make it through there. You know, the round that where things get interesting, I feel, is the round of eight. So I tried to look ahead to that, right, and say, all right, let's just say this is a practice run at the round of eight. Here's race one in the round of eight. We need to go out and score X amount of points. And let's go and try and do that tonight. And um, realistically, yes, the 15th place finish is not what we want, right? But when we look at the amount of points that we scored, I think we were really close to hitting our target. You know, if we were in the round of eight, what did we need to do? So with uh, the speed that we kind of lacked, unfortunately, Saturday night and still able to finish 15th and still get really close to that target that we're shooting for when we get to the round of eight, I think it was a good little little test for us. I mean, it, even on our one of what I feel like was one of our worst days, you know, between the two of us, the, the 23 and the 45 in a while, we still got good points. I mean, for me, that, that helps boost my confidence and hopefully it, it did that for the rest of the team as well. Sometimes in this sport, you learn what to do, and sometimes you learn what not to do, and I think both of those can be equally valuable. Did you uh, did you put some notes down in both columns, maybe on Saturday night? I mean, there's there is something. It's you know, it's just it's for um, It's kind of its own unique animal. Um, you know, we were at Dover earlier this year. We were okay, but pit road is kind of unique. We won't really go through the motions running lights like that until we get to Martinsville and maybe Phoenix. So, I mean, practicing, uh, nailing that is good and hitting our marks, the marks that we set for ourselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't really, a, a, you know, 
it was just one of those quiet nights, right? Like I feel like we had a, we had a clean race. We we did not take ourselves out of the mix. We didn't have any penalties. I definitely feel like I could have done a better job on some restarts. I could have done a better job in certain areas, but no, by no means did we have any you know, critical mistakes or failures. We we you know we hung in there 500 laps and and got the finish out of it that. Um, uh, with with the strategy we went with that I think we were capable of getting. All right, the round of 12 begins this weekend. Texas Motor Speedway. We'll follow that up with Talladega and the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. You've already talked about the round of eight, but you got to get there first. How does this one line up for you and your team? Yeah, I think, you know, it's realistically right. I, I think speed that we've been able to bring week in and week out is good, good enough to get the job done. We've, we've had a lot of speed, honestly. Where things get really tricky, and, and you know this, Dave, is is, is Talladega, right? Um, so many things can go wrong there. So many things can shift. But, um, you know, I look at the, the mile and a half, uh, the road course program has been really solid for Toyota this year. So, um, you know, I look at Texas, a place that had some good success at last year. You know, it was a crazy race for sure. A lot of people fought adversity, but, you know, I definitely know what I'm looking for feel-wise to, to bring back similar, similar handling and speed. So we're, we've been working on that already. So I feel good about Texas. It's just, it all comes back to Talladega, right? It just depends on how that race goes. I think between, you know, uh, the Roval, we have enough speed. If we get in a tricky spot um, and we're close on points, I think we have enough speed that we should be able to, um, you know, if we have to run the stages out and get very good stage points, stage one and stage two at the Roval. So I feel like we're we're kind of in a good spot, to be honest with you. It just, I think we have, we have a good enough speed to hopefully go win a race in this round and, and, and give ourselves more playoff points when we get to the round of eight. You know, that, that win at Kansas was huge to lock ourselves in uh, for sure, but it also gave us five more playoff points that uh, we had um, for this reset. Is Talladega basically going to be terrifying no matter what your track record there is? It, it seems like you could have won two or three in a row there and you're still scared to death. I mean, I would say it's, it's gotten um, a little more predictable, I'd say. It's just because the the nature of the the next gen car is in the draft is a little bit more straightforward. I mean, it's it is what it is, right? But thankfully, you know, the Toyotas work good together. I feel like we should be able to kind of you know control our destiny. But yes, I mean, anything can go wrong at any point, right? I think we've seen it more with this car where the crash happens at the front of the field. It happens with the leader, the the lead car of you know whichever lane it is whether it's the bottom or the or the middle right so the crash can happen from anywhere but it's the type of race where you can't really afford to just hang out in the back and and bank on that crash happening because more times than not it doesn't really seem to to happen uh when you're expecting it final question here we had a couple of uh former cup series champions including the current and reigning champion in joey logano joey and kevin harvick dismissed from the playoffs saturday night you and your teammate bubba wallace still alive and well still forging on how big of a confidence builder is that for 2311 as an organization and for your team and yourself in particular that you're outlasting that kind of competition yeah i mean i think it just goes to show you how how um difficult the cup series can be right you know, between the 22 and the four, I'd say both of them would would tell you that they have not been happy with the speed week in and week out this year. So, you know, guys like that, it's like a double-edged sword, right? When they don't have the speed, 
you almost hope they can make it through, right? Because it, it, you feel like you'll have a better chance going on. But at the same time, right? I mean, we're talking about the closer, Kevin Harvick, and we're talking about Joey Logano, who finds a way to grind out finishes. Appreciate the time, as always. Wish you luck in the round of 12, and uh, best of luck as we make our way toward Phoenix. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dave. Tyler right now, eighth on the playoff leaderboard. He is the final driver on the cut line. Three points to the good. Coming up, we'll preview the first race of the playoff round of 12 for the NASCAR Cup Series. And later, John Hunter Nemechek will join us. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to no-go racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top-tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Gone are 2022 champion Joey Logano, along with Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Michael McDowell. They were eliminated from playoff contention over the weekend at Bristol as the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs head into Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Who will be the first to secure their spot into the round of eight? Our Kyle Ricky is here to take us through it. After the first round of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs came to a close in the mountains of East Tennessee, the round of 12 now begins in the Lone Star State this weekend. This will be the first time the NASCAR Cup Series has taken the Texas Motor Speedway since September of last year. In that race, multiple drivers encountered tire issues, causing Goodyear to revisit the tire that they are bringing to the track this year. Earlier this season, three drivers participated in a test that helped lock in that tire. One of those drivers is the hottest on the circuit right now, Denny Hamlin. Hamlin's win at Bristol capped off a round of 16 that saw him in contention to win all three races. Heading into Texas, his confidence is high based on what his 11 team was able to learn during that tire test. We were there. We did the test uh, with Goodyear, uh, myself, Logano, and I think Suarez. You know, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like that tire is very, very different. And I think it probably could catch a few teams off guard uh, and, and not uh, be what they expected because it is very different. Uh, but we at least kind of have a baseline uh, of what that is. And we're going to you know, start to work on it to try to put the fast car tra- on the track next week, too. So I feel like we were in a good, as good a spot as anyone going into next week. Tire issues weren't the only story last year at Texas. Headlines were also made due to an on-track incident between William Byron and Denny Hamlin. Byron spun Hamlin out under caution. The incident resulted in $100,000 in fines for the Hendrick Motorsports driver. This year, Byron hopes to have less fireworks at Texas and is focused on zeroing in on the fastest line around the track. You know, it really, it changes. Um, It moves around quite a bit. You know, I think that track is really starting to age. It's getting a couple grooves, and I feel like you can work the bottom to make passes. You know, the, the PJ1 or resin that they have on the track is, is really kind of staying the track, so it's made it difficult to 
fine grip at first, but yeah, it's it's a fun place. I think I think we're continuing to to improve when we go there uh, as as a team. So. Yeah, hopefully it can be a little bit faster than we were last year and a little bit less fireworks. While Hamlin's speed in the races of the round of 16 was impressive, his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Christopher Bell was equally impressive in qualifying. Bell earned the pole at Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol. When it comes to balancing that qualifying speed with being fast in race conditions, Bell says his crew chief, Adam Stevens, has a great system in place. That comes from Adam. You know, my, my crew chief, he's a great leader, and he knows that what we had in qualifying is completely different than what we're going to have at lap 20, 30, 40, and on into the run tomorrow. So, you know, after I leave these press conferences, I go right back to the hauler, and we, we, we don't even talk about qualifying. You know, we're talking about race trim, what we had at the end of practice, what I needed to be better there. Adam has a really good system in place. It's ironic because we go out and we practice, and you're focused on race trim, race trim, race trim, and as soon as that checkered flag falls, you don't even talk about race trim. You're talking about qualifying trim. And then as soon as qualifying is over, we're back to race trim. So... He does a great job leading me down the right path and and leading our team. After having a rough opening round of the playoffs, regular season champion Martin Truix Jr. did what he had to do at Bristol to make up the seven points he needed on Kevin Harvick and advance into the next round. With the points resetting, Truix now finds himself back atop the playoff leaderboard. And even though Texas hasn't been his best intermediate racetrack, he expects to be a contender to win this weekend. It's been different things over the years. I feel like it's it's always been a, a good track for us. You know, last year we were leading and blew a tire. So, I mean, it's one of those places we, I feel like, been snake bit a lot. Um, we've had some good runs. We've had struggles at times since they repaved it. So, just one of those things, you know, it's been been up and down. But I, you know, I feel confident going there that with what we have this year that we'll run well, you know, especially after how, how we did last year. But, uh, yeah, it's been tough. It's we've got poles there led a lot of laps in a place we just haven't been able to you know win at so uh always look forward to going there though and and i think next weekend we'll have a great shot to win to get that win truex will likely have to contend with ryan blaney the team penske driver won the all-star race at this track last year when it comes to why he's so good in fort worth he says there's just something about the track that fits his driving style. You know, I enjoyed it even before they repaved it, and then when they repaved it and kind of reshaped the racetrack, it's kind of fit with what we do. Fits some of my driving style to to a certain extent, and uh, I had a good run there, you know, last year in this race and won the all-star race there last year so I, we've had some good success there um, but it's a tough place you know two ends are way different banking wise bumps wise and it's hard uh, hard to kind of hit each one so yeah whatever the reason we just kind of it works for us and been able to lead laps and, and run up front you know it's going to be important to kick off that that second round you know with a good run at texas despite having a fantastic night at bristol michael mcdowell came up short of erasing the huge point deficit that he needed to advance to the next round of the playoffs just because he's eliminated from championship contention doesn't mean he won't be a factor at Texas, though. Tyler Reddick won this race a year ago after being eliminated at Bristol. For McDowell to do the same this year, he'll have to master what he calls the toughest mile-and-a-half track on the circuit. Texas is tough. I mean, it's really tough. The the surface and the roughness of turn four makes it really, really hard to be aggressive and make passes. It's hard to run there by yourself, let alone two wide, three wide. But then turn one and two is real wide, and it's real racy. And, yeah, it's just a tough place. But 
honestly, it's been good to us. Um, we had good speed there last year. So it's one of those races that we kind of have circled as an opportunity for us to go and run pretty well. But it is tough. It is a tough racetrack right now. And this car, out of all the mile and a halfs, this has probably been the hardest one to get a hold of is Texas. So who will start the round of 12 on a high note? We'll find out on Sunday afternoon when the best stock car drivers in the world compete for the checkered flag in the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. Thank you, Kyle. That Texas preview brought to you by Wheelan Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, John Hunter-Nemechek, and later, Corey Heim will stop by. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs began this past weekend at Bristol. Justin Allgaier took home the checkered flag to vault to the top of the playoff standings. Sitting right behind him is John Hunter Nemechek, who finished third Friday night at Thunder Valley. Our Chris Wilner recently caught up with John Hunter as he focuses in on his championship pursuit. It is a grand night for John Hunter Nemechek. Off four, final time across the start-finish line. A grandfather clock and 100 grand in cash as John Hunter Nemechek is won here at the Martinsville Speedway. Well, John Hunter, Austin Hill was a regular season champion, but you came in, you know, the postseason as the, the one seed. Uh who should be considered, I guess, a championship favorite? Does it feel like the championship's going to come down between the two of you? I don't know. I, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, we're we're pretty focused on ourselves at this point, and not really focused on anyone else. I, I feel like us being able to to be focused on ourselves, run our own race, go out and try and have seven good weeks. Uh, that that's really what it takes to to go win uh, at Phoenix um, for the championship. So um, hopefully we just kill it and don't have to really compete with anyone. You're the only Xfinity Texas winner in the field. What makes you so good at that place? I mean, you've done so well in the trucks there as well. What is it about Texas that suits your driving style? It's <laughs> a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, we, we've been really fast there, being able to, to win there with KBM and JGR, um, have really good speed, uh, run up front, qualify up front, and most of all, just race good. Um, I should have won there in 2018 uh, in the 42 car. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. There's definitely a few that have gotten away there, but ever since I started going there, I don't know what it is about the place. I've always been fast, so hopefully we can go there and seal the deal again. At the entrance to turn three, back to the top of the racetrack, here comes John Hunter Nemechek out of four. And he will be looking for the black and white checkered flag, and it is in the air here at the Kansas Speedway, and John Hunter Nemechek has picked up his sixth win of the season. Since its reconfiguration, it's kind of almost gotten a little bit of a bad rap. Why do you think that is? I feel like if you can figure it out, you can race it really well, but why? maybe do you think Texas doesn't get a little bit, I guess, as much respect as, as it should? 
Uh, it's challenging. Um, you have to have a really good car, really good race car to be able to compete. Um, and then I, I think everyone is kind of comparing it to old Texas, right? It was worn out, multiple grooves, running up against the fence. And uh, anytime that there's a repave, there's going to be hate around it. It's just how the sport works and how drivers work and, and mentality and uh, certain things of that sort. Um, so if you figure it out, you figure it out and you tend to like the place. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that some people don't like change and some do and you have to adapt in the sport. Things change instantaneously. That's for sure. Second playoff appearance. I know you've had deep truck series playoff runs. Do you take anything, lessons learned from you know, advancing deep in the truck to, to apply to this season? For sure. Don't make the same mistakes. That's it. It's easy as that? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Here comes John. Hunter even check looking for the checkered flag up the corner. And looking to give Joe Gibbs Racing their 200th NASCAR Xfinity Series win. Checkered flag is in the air. John Hunter Nemechek wins the Cabo Wabo Tequila 250. Ask you about the timing of the announcement, too, of going to the Cup Series. How big of a weight off your shoulders was that? Did it feel like that has you have more mental clarity now with the Xfinity Championship on your mind than kind of what the future holds? I think just being able to know what you're going to do um, and it being out there, you aren't answering questions every week, but take the focus away of what you're trying to accomplish um, with it being out there and knowing what I'm going to do and um, all time that you could be spending in meetings or negotiations or um, distractions, whatever it may be, worrying about your future, that's all set aside now. So for me, it's head down, elbows up, focus on the work at, at hand, and uh, we got a task to complete, and that's to go try and win this Xfinity Series champion. Did you have a moment, though, to maybe think about what it'd be like having Jimmy Johnson as a teammate? It's cool. Um, I, I really haven't set in and, and thought about much of it. Um, like I said, I've limited about every distraction that I possibly could at this point um, moving into the playoffs and really just focused on going to win this Xfinity Series championship. Um, I have a great group around me, drive for a great team, have really fast way to GR Supers every single week, so um, I just got to go do my part. In this move back to the Cup Series, you've been so close to championships. What would a championship this year to put a bow on this, you know, resurge back to the Cup Series mean to you? A lot. A lot. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I think any driver would tell you that it means a lot. Um, to me, I haven't said in that and thought about that too much. Um, but when we get out there and hopefully go do it, I'll let you know afterwards. Getting through this first round, what excites you about the second round? Especially some of these racetracks, I feel like you've got really good speed at it, and you've already showed this year. I mean, there are certain ones you have circled. Every one of them. Every one of them. Martinsville, we won earlier this year. Vegas, we were fast. Yeah. Homestead is one of my favorite places. So looking forward to seeing what we can put together. Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll talk NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series racing with your Bristol winner, Corey Heim. And later, we'll learn more about the football fandom of some of your favorite drivers. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Corey Heim secured his spot into the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship 4 in Phoenix after he won last Thursday evening in Bristol. Corey, the regular season champion, moved one step closer to another possible title. Following the win, he spoke with our Jason Toy. Corey, congratulations not only on the, the championship for the regular season, but you got that win. So now you are going on to the championship four. Are you going to be the most relaxed guy in the garage here for the next two races at least? I would say so, but at the same time, you know, we still got races to go out and win. So uh, regardless of what your situation is, going into Talladega, it's always kind of stressful. So in the playoff scenario, yeah, sure, I, I guess I'd be a little more relaxed. But, um, you know, when we go to Homestead, I also want to qualify well so our pit selection is good at phoenix so that's kind of been on my mind as well but definitely kind of gives me a different mindset compared to i guess what you would used to be able to be doing as far as going to talladega and maximizing stage points to put you in a good position for homestead hopefully you know just win talladega to lock yourself in but you know with the bristol win it definitely takes a little bit off your back so yeah it's uh it's been a good year for us you know as you mentioned with the regular season championship and uh, getting hot at the right time at Bristol as well. So definitely, you know, have my mind on Phoenix, but I uh, got some other business to handle before we get there. Before we talk about that other business, let's talk a little bit about that win at Bristol. And, you know, it was a tough race from the drop of the green flag to the checker flag because passing was at a premium. It was hard to do it. You're going to have to move somebody to do it. But you were able to wear out who you were racing in front of you and be able to pull this out. How did you finally get that move to make it happen? Yeah, I think, you know, the main thing is just strategy. Um, you know, we pitted at the right time with everyone else, and I think we came out like fourth or fifth. So um, knocked kind of half of the positions I needed to, you know, being in 11th to start the race, you know, getting up to fourth or fifth was big. And then just also minimizing my mistakes um, with it being a one-stop race you know there's a lot of it's in the driver's hands after that first stop and um you know i feel like if you hold the bottom it's really hard to get by somebody and if you if you make a mistake and kind of leave that open it's um you know you can get passed by one to two maybe three trucks if you get stuck on the outside so you know choose cone was big being able to make sure you're in the right lane and you could get down soon enough i feel like the, the outside worked for maybe a lap or two and then just you know minimizing my mistakes as far as letting people get by so luckily we were second in the last restart where we had the long green flag run and was able to kind of save myself and be there at the end Let's talk about the transition this year for you and, you know, going from KBM over to Tricon Garage and, you know, the, the build up there, but also to getting paired up with, with Scott Zipadelli. And Scott is uh, is, a, is a great guy in the garage. He's a great crew chief. He, he works, has a great track record in working with young drivers like yourself. So what's that relationship been like with Scott and that transition? Yeah, I mean, Scott's been the backbone of this team. I mean, with him with him bringing all of his guys over from Hattori um, and the success that they've had over the years at that you know organization, um, I knew it was going to be a big change for them, just with them being pretty much head-to-toe being there for almost five years. Um, you know, with them coming to, you know, DGR, you know, obviously Tricon now is, is a big change. But, you know, with the help of Toyota Racing and the people at Tricon, I feel like the transition was pretty seamless for, for me as well as the 11 teams. So, um, you know, couldn't have asked for a better pairing with Scott. And he's, he's just such a determined guy, works so hard. And a lot of early mornings and late nights have gone into this transition with the new team. And, you know, also from, you know, the transition for Tricon with them being a different manufacturer last year. So, you know, once again, just couldn't ask for a better situation for me this year. And we've really, you know, proved that we're, you know, probably the team to be right now. What's the biggest thing with Scott Zipadelli as your crew chief? You talked about it like he's, he'll tell you straight out and tell you how it is. And he's very to the forefront. And he'll tell you. What's the biggest thing that he told you when you guys first met that first time on, okay, this is how it's going to be this season? Yeah, I think they're just, you know, obviously they're there for wins. And I feel like, you know, a lot of that was 
just their past success and maybe not being quite as good as they wanted to be last year. So they wanted to make up for it and have a good season this year. So um, I think we've done just that. You know, we've, we've definitely been in a position to win more races than we, we have won. But regardless of that, we've had such a consistently good year, always been in contention, really, regardless of where we go. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it keeps going. But hats off to everyone. Really, you know, Scott, along with, you know, Hirschman, he's been along for so long, my spotter. Uh, he's really one of the main reasons why we won the other night as well. Just him kind of keeping my head in the game with, you know, 80 laps or whatever it was at Bristol. It was a pretty long time, like longer than I'm used to. So, um, you know, he kept my head in the game and, you know, getting us to the end and then just the experience, you know, the depth on the team is big as well. Like um, you see a lot of guys have mechanical problems just because you got, you know, newer guys that, you know, they don't work together a lot and it's all new to them, but they've been together for so long that it's just, you know, once again, knock on wood, hopefully we don't go in and I, I think myself, but I feel like we've just been so solid and consistent these last couple months. I've been lucky enough to know Scott for a long time. And one thing I always talk about with him is a fact or I realize with him, it's a quiet intensity. He is very intense, but he's quiet about the way he does it. And he, he can always be intimidating a little bit sometimes too, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's a, he's a very straightforward guy, but I, I really yeah. like that about him. He's, he's, really easy to read like you know yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to go in one day and wonder what he's thinking about he's always just kind of a really easy flowing guy and always really determined to you know have success i mean he's, he's there on time every morning and he stays late at night and makes sure he's got all the boxes checked for for the weekend and um, i really think that you know proves a lot towards our consistency as well i mean he's just a very determined guy like just not much else you can say about him just really solid crew chief and um, once again just head to toe in the 11 team everyone's just really driven and, and motivated and uh, going to choose a championship. Corey Heim is here with us. He is uh, advanced on to the championship four at Phoenix. Before we get to Talladega and the Homestead, let's talk about Talladega a little bit. It's kind of its own beast, right? You always say grip it and rip it when you're talking about golf. When you're at Talladega, is it grip the steering wheel and just hold on tight for whatever, how many hundred laps or whatever it is? Yeah, no doubt. Especially the truck races, you know, with, with the ARCA experience I've got, it's a little bit different of an aero package. So you kind of ride single file for a while, but it's, it's really hard to in the truck just because of how much, how big of runs we get. And then it's like, you almost are suckered into making it two or three wide and taking those runs when you get them. Uh, Cause at the end of the race, everyone's going to be pushing as hard as they can. And if you're in the front, you typically have a better chance of avoiding a wreck than if you're, you know, third row on back. So even in the first stage, just with the playoff, you know, format and a lot of guys kind of being under the cut line right now and pretty deep in the cut line, I feel like, you know, you're going to see guys racing pretty hard for stage points and uh, that could cause some issues, of course, but um, you know, just going back to the winter Bristol, just, you know, just such an awesome position to be in to go there and uh, playoff wise, you know, be pretty stress free, but want to go out and make my safe flight group proud. I think we got like 300 safe flight people coming. So, you know, hopefully we can make them proud. Does it make you feel good knowing that, okay, hey, we're going to run for a championship at Phoenix. We'll focus on that after these next two races. I know they're, you know, Scott's probably got that truck and he's babying it right now, but you look at it, you're just running for trophies right now. Yeah, you know, it definitely doesn't take the pressure off of us to go, go out and perform. I think we want to, you know, just hold our hold our position and hold our consistency to really just give us a lot of motivation in the Phoenix. I feel like if we go out and don't run as well as we've been running for the past couple of months at, you know, Talladega and Homestead, it'll kind of put us down a little bit. So um, I want to, you know, bring the same intensity we always bring, regardless of whether it's a playoff race or not. You know, two weeks ago, I guess now at Kansas, we really had nothing to lose, nothing to gain. Uh, just go out and chase a trophy, and we were in a position to do that until we got a, you know, late race caution. So I don't think our guys will back down at all. Of course, you know, Phoenix is the priority, but there's other, you know, trophies to go get, and that's our goal. Corey, before we let you go, you know, besides running the truck and running for a championship, you've been running the, the uh, Xfinity Series a little bit this season. Do you have any seat time left in that before we wrap up the year? 
yeah, as of now, I'm, I'm done with the Xfinity Series for the year. But uh, yeah, it was a great, you know, learning curve for me. It's a lot different than the truck and the Arca car and really anything I've kind of experienced. It's sort of similar to the Superlight model, so that was kind of interesting to feel the similarities between that. But um, yeah, Sim Hunter Racing and those guys did an awesome job with um, their program, and they've been coming a long way for a long time now. So. Uh, it's cool to see them kind of progress and work with the guys over there. It's been uh, definitely a good learning curve, but um, kind of opened my mind up to some new things. What does Corey Heim do to relax a little bit now? Do you now you're done with the Xfinity series, like you said? You talked about super late models, whatever deal. What's what's Corey do away from the race car? This weekend, I'm going to the uh, GR Cup uh, race for the Toyota series. So I'm actually <laughs> on my little simulator getting ready to run some laps after the off here. But um, yeah, just uh, I like to, you know, stay warm, stay in the seat. Uh, Talladega is kind of a weird one for us because it's not super technical. But, you know, I go to somewhere this weekend that's going to be new for me. I've never been to Sebring before, so that's exciting. But just thankful for the opportunity from Toyota Racing. That's awesome indeed. Have fun with that. Be safe. We'll catch up with you down the road here, as, especially as we get closer and closer to that championship four. All right. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jason. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series off this weekend. Their next race, Saturday, September 30th at Talladega Super Speedway. Coming up, the playoffs may be here, but it doesn't mean that drivers aren't glued into football season. We'll connect the dots on the way. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. While all three of NASCAR's premier series are in the midst of their playoff runs, fall is officially here on Saturday, and the football season is now in full swing. So how involved are certain drivers in their fandom of their favorite football team? Which drivers thought they had a football future growing up? Our Susie Armstrong takes us inside the pigskin interest in NASCAR. When it comes to what the best time of the year is for sports... Many zero in on the thrills spring can bring with March Madness in college basketball and golf's trip to Augusta, Georgia for the Masters. Early fall offers huge competition as well, with the NASCAR playoffs and football season beginning at virtually the same time every year. While drivers are obviously hyper-focused on what they need to do to advance to Phoenix and win a championship, the best drivers in the world are football fans, just like the rest of us. The fandoms of the Cup Series playoff drivers is wide-ranging between the NFL, college, and fantasy football. One of the most well-known fandoms in the garage is Kyle Busch's love affair with the Denver Broncos. Busch has been seen on the sideline of many Broncos games and even hobnobbing with Denver great Peyton Manning. Busch's loyalty for his team can't be called into question, even with one of the Broncos' greatest rivals now calling his hometown of Las Vegas home. Football fan, love the NFL, enjoy watching games when I can and getting to games when I can. So got a lot of friends that have retired and aren't playing anymore, a couple that are still playing, some owners that I've met over the times that uh, I'm still kind of, you know, friends with or can call on if I need some tickets or whatnot. But, you know, enjoy the, the game and 
been a huge fan of the Broncos for a long, long time, back in the John Elway days. Uh, met him early on as a kid and got an autograph and just became a Broncos fan. Being from Vegas, there was no Vegas team, so now there is. It's a little weird, but um, I'll keep my affiliation. Kyle Busch isn't the only Broncos fan in NASCAR, though. Tyler Reddick also shares Bush's affinity for Denver and had to inform his new crew chief, Billy Scott, just how much football he takes in before climbing into his race car on Sunday afternoons. Yeah, I, I had to forewarn Billy Scott, my crew chief. It's our first time working together, and he's unaware of how much red zone I take in pre-race. When it comes on, I'm pretty much tuned out till the race starts, so... We may have to move some meetings around and everything like that pre-event. Yeah, big fan of the Denver Broncos. Don't know how that all started. I think my dad uh, was a fan of theirs. Really loved Denver. I got to go out there this past off season and, and see the stadium. Just their, their landscaping, everything they have there is, is really, really well put together. While Bush and Reddick are big fans of professional football, college football loyalty also runs deep in the Cup Series garage with both Christopher Bell and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. focused on teams in their respective home states. Yeah, I uh, I am a football fan. Teams, I don't know. I don't really have a team that I love or hate, but I enjoy watching. Yeah, I enjoy watching NFL and college football. Now, college football, I like Oklahoma, obviously being from Norman, so I guess I'm a little more invested in them than the rest of them. I'm more of a college college guy. Love, you know, Saturdays after practice, um, you know, just chilling out watching college football. And I'm an SEC guy. I'm a big Ole Miss guy. So, yeah, that's that's how I watch football. With Stenhouse being a fan of Ole Miss, there might be a little bit of a friendly rivalry brewing with Ross Chastain, who is a fan of conference rival, the Florida Gators, as well as one of Florida's three pro teams. College football, Gators fan, due to some aunts and uncles. Uh, it really wasn't an option. Just started the um, Netflix series on the Gators uh, last night, so just got a few minutes into that. Fan of the Dolphins. I think one day in my lifetime I'll see, you know, the fruits of that labor of my fandom over my entire life. So it'll be, it'll be cool one day when that happens. One of the things that has turned the NFL into the phenomenon that it is is the rise of fantasy football. Even if you aren't a fan of a specific team, you can root for the players that you draft to go against friends and colleagues in an online battle. Joining Front Row Motorsports Fantasy Football League is part of Michael McDowell's ongoing effort to become more of a football fan. I'm trying. I'm making my best effort to be a football fan, but... I mean, long story short, I didn't grow up playing sports, so I was racing. Every weekend I was racing, so I never really followed it. Didn't go to college, didn't play in high school, didn't do any of those things, so I've just never been a big sports fan, never been around it. Um, I am a part of our Front Row Motorsports Fantasy Football League. Now, that's about the extent of my football experience is watching the, the screen there and seeing how many points my guys score, but... I don't have a favorite team, don't watch regularly. I do watch a little bit more now, though, as you, uh, you, know, you have guys that are playing. McDowell isn't the only fantasy football newbie in NASCAR. Team Penske's Ryan Blaney is also taking it up for the first time in 2023. I'm not like a diehard. Uh, I, I watch from Ohio, so I watch the Buckeyes in college football, watch the Browns and the Bengals and 
watch the Panthers a little bit. I more like just watching players. Like I have a lot of players I like on different teams. I just enjoy watching. I just I joined a fantasy league this year. It's my first time I've ever done fantasy football, so I'm a little I'm green at it. But uh, I'm excited. I think it'll make me watch more games. At some point this season, McDowell and Blaney are likely going to figure out what Kevin Harvick discovered years ago. Keeping up with your fantasy football team while also racing in the world's biggest stock car series is more difficult than it seems. No, I do not have a fantasy football team. We used to have fantasy football teams, but I realized very quickly that I have way too much going on to look after my fantasy football team. So I wound up losing and then I'd get mad because I didn't have my players lined out correctly. And somebody, especially when the bye week starts and I have players in the game that are not playing, So I haven't played fantasy football in several years just because of the fact that I can't keep up with it. We've heard from drivers whose love for football is based on their hometown or wanting to compete with friends. For series points leader William Byron, his love for the pigskin is based on the time he spent on the gridiron as a youngster, playing a position that might surprise you. But I grew up playing football, so um, I played for five years, and I feel like I have a connection to the sport because of that and just understanding the the plays and how it works so i played linebacker yeah so i know everyone just seems to be surprised by that so so there are photos so i was a head hunter for sure i, t- I took some heads off <laughs> oh yeah the, now you know when i'm aggressive on the track you, you know why <laughs> helmets on Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we'll flash back to the 1973 Lone Star 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, we'd like to head out to the Lone Star State of Texas for a trip back in time to 1973 and the Lone Star 500. Joe must be very happy with that car this afternoon. He's been very well qualifying the last couple of races. He's qualified up in the top three or four positions. He qualified fourth fastest here, giving that car a tremendous ride this afternoon. Allison putting the chase on him as they move into turn three. There's about a car length separation between second and third place right now. Fasson moving out. He'll be coming up on Dean Dalton and Cecil Gordon as they move to the start finish line. And there's only a length separation between Richard Petty and Bobby Isaac trying to get that lap back. The 180-lap rundown had car number 43, Petty, in front, then Prasad in second, and Allison, and they've been dicing it here for quite some time. Then Isaac in fourth. Running in fifth was Parsons. In sixth was Cuckoo Marlin, who started 21st and stays right in it today. Seventh was Hilton. Eighth was Larry Smith's automobile, car number 92. Then in the ninth position was car number seven, Dean Dalton is up in the ninth position. And running 10th is Jake Thomas of Christiansburg, Virginia. That's how they stand at 180 laps. We've had 16 lead changes. Car number 57, David Ray Boggs. He's rolling down, and he's going to get back in this race. David Ray Boggs of Morrisville, North Carolina, who looked like he was out of it, ran down and said something about, oh, 15, 20 minutes ago to a couple of his crew members, and they've elected to do some work on the car, and he's back on the speedway and running. David Ray Boggs of Morrisville, North Carolina. Up in front, Isaac is breathing down Petty's exhaust pipe trying to get one of those laps back and Petty won't let him have it. Here they come into turn four. Richard Petty up in the high groove this time and he moves around one of the lapped automobiles. Isaac's relentlessly chasing him as they move down to the start finish line. Two Dodge automobiles really getting it done here at Texas World Speedway as they move to turn number one. Richard Petty still has that lead. Here they go. 
As they go in, Bobby Isaac goes under the inside. He cannot get by him. He's still trying to unlap himself now. Richard Petty still has the lead. And as they go out of turn number two into turn number one, Bobby Allison back up on the tail of Joe, Joe Frisone as they go between one and two. Frisone still maintaining second place, though, as he goes into two. Bobby Allison now dives to the inside as he goes down the back straightaway. Isaacs and Petty into turn number three. That battle continuing. Battled out. Battle down the backstretch, and we'll go right to Barney Hall. That battle is continuing for the number two position between Frisson and the Chevrolet of Bobby Allison. Allison less than a car length behind. They move on some of the slower automobiles again, and this is where a driver can take advantage of some of that slower traffic. Frisson. There's action, action in turn one. Isaac now has unlapped Richard Petty. He's got one lap back on Petty as he dove to the inside, coming into turn number one. Inside as he comes back out into turn, turn number two. Richard Petty now right up on his tail as they go down that back straightaway. I asked Bobby yesterday if he thought he could break a draft from Petty. He said he didn't think there was any way, but if it got to that, he could try. That time, he thought he'd be battling for the lead. Now he wants to break the draft if he can and just pull away from Petty and get this lap back from Texas World Speedway. Oh, you can catch that race in its entirety at MRN.com under the MRN Classic Races tab or on any of your preferred podcast platforms. I'd like to thank Tyler Reddick for joining us this week. Also, our thanks to John Hunter Nemechek and Corey Heim for stopping by. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. Enjoy Texas. We'll chat with you again next week for another edition of NASCAR Live as we get set to head to Talladega. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.